Hello and welcome to the Ranting Soccer Dad podcast, the first of 2018. It is January 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Bo Dewar. This one's going to be pretty brief because I didn't spend the holidays nagging people for interviews. I will get back on that soon. And it looks like we'll do, well, we'll have some interviews at the convention formerly known as NSCAA. That's the United Soccer Coaches Convention uh, in Philadelphia, which is a great occasion for youth soccer in particular. Uh, This year, though, it's going to also be where all the candidates are and where a lot of people who vote on the candidates are. So I had intended to do a lot of youth soccer work at this convention. It looks like I'm going to do a lot of presidential election coverage at the convention because how could I not? This is too important and just simply too... I think we're, think we're a little bit off the rails right now, actually. Um, we were talking some about issues. Now I'm not so sure. Now, that may change. I think Philadelphia is going to be a good reset point. Because the most of the interaction that people are having right now is on Twitter. And most of that is not constructive. And there are so many people, I've said it before, there are people who think that they're doing Eric Winalda a favor by just shouting down and bullying anyone they perceive as in favor of the status quo, uh, which, which includes me. And I, I, I'm not going to do an endorsement, but I will say this. Based on what I know now, if I were to do an endorsement, it would not be of Kathy Carter and it would not be of Carlos Cordero. Everyone else would be up for uh, up for consideration. Um, well, at least I, I'd say four of the remaining six would be up for consideration. Uh, it would not be Carter or Cordero. Now they can change my mind. Not that it matters because I don't vote and I'm not going to do an endorsement. But again, as it stands now, uh, I would not endorse Carter. I would not endorse Cordero. I think there are too many unanswered questions about each of them. So I think the Winalda Brigade, I don't understand why they have it in for me, just like I don't understand why a lot of NASL fans have it in for Nipun Chopra. That doesn't make any sense. He covers your league. I don't. I don't have a local team. I don't have a particular interest in covering the NASL, and that's not to say that the NASL or the USL, I don't have any particular interest in the USL either. You know, when I lived in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the Carolina Dynamo played in what was then called the A-League, I was all about the USL. Because that's what there was. That was what there was for me to watch. This was at least 10 years before the NASL existed. This was second division soccer. It wasn't bad. A little too physical at times, but definitely some skilled players in there. Especially because MLS was pretty small. And there were... The way the financial situation worked at that time, if you were maybe the 15th best player uh, on an MLS team, you could quite probably make more money playing in the A-League, particularly if you also played indoor soccer and you could play year-round. So there were a lot of good players in, at the time. But anyway, I don't cover NASL and USL now because there's nothing for me to cover. Uh, I might... See if I can talk with Rocco Camiso or Ricardo Silva. Mostly just out of fairness, because I I know that I've been 
critical slash skeptical uh, on Twitter, especially this morning. Uh, Ricardo Silva made a comment about uh, Club in England. I believe it was Leeds off the top of my head, and I'd have to go back and check, saying, I hope you get promoted. In the U.S., we can't get promoted. We have to, you know, unless you, you know, pay your way in, and then he put hashtag corruption. That is... Look, there's no getting around it. That is an irresponsible accusation. Now, you can say there is corruption in U.S. soccer. I, you would need to come up with some evidence, but I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, there are 55 states, um, most of them with an adult and a youth soccer organization. There have been some corruption issues in the past. I mean, Chuck Blazer ran an election not too long ago. Well within recent memory and with this century and Chuck Blazer ended his life as essentially a semi-voluntary whistleblower because he had seen quite a lot and participated in some of it. So yeah, if you want to make the point that there has been, or even still is an element of corruption somewhere in U S soccer, you could make it. You cannot make the case that a closed system, which is what MLS is and what Australia's league is and has been and what a lot of leagues uh, internationally have been, but they're easing out of them now, or in the last 10 years, 10 years ago, there were a few more closed leagues than there are now. Uh, not many. Not, it's, it's obviously not the norm, but you can't state that that's simply corruption. You know, if you... Believe the worst about uh, Sunil Gulati or anyone else who's been involved with MLS over the years. That's that's up to you. You still need to substantiate things. You can't just assume. But you you can absolutely not say that the system itself was corrupted. Go back and look at the election. Probably. I'd say this is the third big election within U.S. soccer, the third big vote of the last 25 years. The most recent big vote was actually, actually I may have to go back and make it 30 years, because the most recent presidential election that really mattered, uh, all due respect to the close contest between Dr. Bob Contaguglia and Larry Monaco, was when Alan Rothenberg came in and defeated Werner Fricker. And that set U.S. soccer down a more professionalized path, I guess you would say. It's hard to say. Werner Fricker is still very well-respected. But the feeling at the time was they needed kind of a heavy-hitting executive lawyer to get the World Cup in shape and take U.S. soccer to the next level. I mean, honestly, I see more things named after Werner Fricker within U.S. soccer than do Alan Rothenberg. But I think they're fairly well respected. But the, the other big election or big vote that I want to remind people of was 1993. Three leagues or three entities were bidding to be the Division One soccer league in the United States. And this was under pressure from FIFA to declare one. Because there, there wasn't one at the time. The, uh, the biggest league at the time was the APSL, 
which eventually merged into the, the USL and became the A-League, or, or it became the A-League and then merged, uh, had a handful of teams, not not many, not much media presence. They bid to become Division One, and I think there was some skepticism over whether they could really pull it off with the people they had involved. Another bidder was League One America, and there, I would love to see video footage of a test game of that. That's the one that was going to... Well, first of all, it has a single entity system. Uh, in fact, Jim Paglia, who was the backer of that league, told me that he thought MLS really backed away from single entity, that his idea was the real single entity. He also had the idea of having stadiums that had other development with it. So in some senses, he was ahead of his time. Uh, he also wanted to change the rules in a big, big way. Bigger than anything you've seen in college soccer or pro soccer in the U.S. It, we're talking, you know, extra points for, you know, hitting a part of, you know, hitting a secondary goal and uh, people being limited to parts of the field uh, based on positions and then having to switch them every quarter. It was very, very, I mean, indoor soccer, I think is less of a departure. I mean, walled indoor soccer. I think that's less of a departure from the traditional 11 v 11 game than League One America was. The third entity was the one that Alan Rothenberg came up with. Well, he, he was the man behind it and had developed it with Mark Abbott, who's still with MLS, Ivan Gazidis, who was with MLS for a long time, now with Arsenal, uh, and Sunil Gulati. And that was Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer won that election. Uh, it was not unanimous. And there were some interesting comments about it. Uh, I remember a player, I, uh, Desmond Armstrong, said that he had no love lost for the Federation or for Rothenberg or anything like that. He had been a U.S. player, and maybe his career hadn't gone the way he'd wanted exactly, but he said, look, if you look at these proposals, that's the one you've got to go with. Now, if you want to go back and say that all the people who voted for Major League Soccer as a closed system were corrupt, well, you better make a pretty strong case. You better back it up with something. And bear in mind, as far as I know, the APSL had no intention of going promotion relegation, certainly not anytime soon. It was not an issue in anything, any contemporary piece that I read uh, on that vote. There was some talk of a Werner Fricker plan from years before that would, had divisional tiers, and there's some language that's been parsed out. Steve Holroyd, I think, has done the most work on it. That's one proposal. It was not up for a vote. So if you want to go back and say everyone in the U.S. soccer board, everyone involved with U.S. soccer in 1993 trying to start a first division league, say all of them were corrupt, I don't think you're going to get very far, especially when the structure that they came up with was tested in court. The players did it right away. Filed suit in 1997. It was 2002 before the appeals were exhausted. It turned into five years of a legal mess. And there, there were some questions about the single entity structure, but the court 
didn't find them relevant to the argument and felt no need to come in and say, no, the way you're doing this is illegal. So for Ricardo Silva to come up and say, you know, use the word corruption immediately after a comment about the closed system in the U.S. is irresponsible. And he's welcome to come on to this podcast and explain what he meant to clarify, walk it back, do whatever he wants. But it's my job as a journalist to tell you what's BS, and that's BS, plain and simple. So we're hoping to get more, or I'm hoping to get a few more people on this. There are still four candidates to interview, and I've reached out to all of them. I've had various states of correspondence with them. Um, I will say the one I want most is Kathy Carter, because she is the one who, well, first of all, of the four I haven't gotten, I think she's the one who is most likely to win. It doesn't mean I think she's the overall favorite. I think right now Eric Winnall is the overall favorite, though again, if I'm a state association and I'm watching these people tweet on Winalda's behalf, they're not doing him any favors. I mean, they make it they make it look like he's got some sort of Trumpist populist bent, uh, or at least that's his base. And I think people, no matter what you think about Eric Winalda, I think people might be scared of empowering that base of people. Because these are people who, well... They're like Silva in the sense that, you know, they think everything's corrupt. And, you know, you need to go in, if you want to investigate corruption, you can't just go in and say, okay, everybody's corrupt, uh, you know, kill them all, let God sort them out. That's not going to work. If that worked, well, Donald Trump wouldn't still be president, would he? I mean, Donald Trump has, is still in office even though he's been investigated the entire time he's been in office. Because that's how long proper investigations take. And people seem to think that, you know, a journalist can just sit at home and, you know, make a few calls or look at a few documents and and come up with a major expose of things. Not often. I mean, maybe if someone's really, really clumsy and just uh, leaves evidence out for people to see, but that that's not how this works. You know, Han Solo said, that's not how any of this works. You know, could there be more investigations of what's going on in U.S. soccer in, in, the, in the past? Well, yeah, there could be. But you might want to be specific. You know, tell me exactly what, what's, what's worrying. And then tell people who have the ability to investigate. I, I still think it'd be really interesting if ESPN turned its investigative unit, which is top-notch, uh, turn that investigative unit onto uh, the onto Concacaf and soccer in general in this in this continent. I think that would be fascinating because they have the resources and they have the the people who have the most experience and the people who the people who are simply best at it. I don't have the investigative journalism background that Mark Finaruwada has. I just don't. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I worked at USA Today. We didn't do a ton of investigations. I mean, we we were a fairly placid paper, didn't want to rock the boat in a lot of ways. And look, I can't apologize for that. That's just where I worked. And I thought we did some good things in other areas, but investigations of this nature 
weren't really in them. There was a good investigative team that uh, looked into a lot of the money of college sports. I think they've done a lot of valuable work there. But this is different. You probably need people who are uh, more multilingual than I am. I, unfortunately, do not speak Spanish. So there are people who are better suited to doing that investigative work than I am. Um, But I digress. We're getting back to this election. There are four people I really want to interview. I want to talk to Kathy Carter in in part so that she can shed some light on Soccer United marketing. I think it's shrouded in a bit of mystery right now, for better and for worse. I think that there are people who say things about it that don't make a lot of sense. And then there are some legitimate questions. I don't think Soccer United marketing was designed to suppress soccer in this country. If you think that, shut down your Twitter account. Just just go away. Because you're just wrong. There's no other way to explain it. You're wrong. If the powers that be at MLS wanted to kill soccer in 2002, they would have folded the league. There weren't people lining up to form a new league at that point. You know, you look at some of these people who are involved now, including, you know, Camiso and Silva, and say, well, you had money 15 years ago. Where were you in 2002? If you had a better idea, why didn't you come in and say it then? Why are you coming in and saying it now that MLS is as entrenched as it is? Why didn't you come in at the low point when people needed you? That's a question to ask Silva. But I also have questions to ask Carter. So, to wrap up programming notes, um, first of all, I've, I've been really encouraged by the response to my post on what I learned from reading the minutes and transcripts and other documents at U.S. Soccer uh, over the last, I think the first part was 1998 to 2009. I, I think a lot of people were really happy with it. It's obviously gotten a lot more page views than the typical Ranting Soccer Dad post. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out, check it out at rantingsoccerdad.com, which I am, I am kind of tweaking the design. I know parts of it are hard to read right now. I'm going to work on that. But and there will be a part two of that. But I'm encouraged by the response to it because it means there are people out there who are seeking information. And and that's good. And of course, there are certainly people who are laughing at parts of it. Just, I can't believe this is how U.S. soccer operates, or these are some of the people who are involved with U.S. soccer. And that's fine. Because that's this. these are the records. So you're not just... Going off the top of your head, oh, Soccer United Marketing is trying to kill soccer, and these people are all blah, 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 blah. No, these are people with little fiefdoms and little agendas and little personal things, and then in some cases, a governance system that really needed some tweaking and has gotten some, but could maybe use some more. So, again, I think really encouraging response to that, because it, especially when Twitter tends to be mostly just people hurling unfounded accusations at each other, you know. Let me repeat for the zillionth time. Major League Soccer does not pay me money. I don't make a lot of money covering Major League Soccer. I haven't really covered Major League Soccer in years. I wrote a book that gets me maybe a couple hundred dollars in royalties every year. And years and years ago, when MLS's official site was under other management, it was quasi-independent at the time, like it is now, but different management, 
I wrote a fantasy soccer column. I stopped doing that when I started doing more for USA Today. When my duties at USA Today switched so I was going to be writing more about soccer, they asked me to stop writing the fantasy soccer column for MLSNet, and I did. If you think that biases me, then you're going to have a tricky time explaining how Eric Winalda wrote for MLSNet around the same time. I think the only MLS coverage I did in the past year uh, was covering the U.S. Open Cup game for thecup.us, which is Josh Akala's terrific site uh, on the U.S. Open Cup. And, you know, it's a labor of love for Josh. He, he doesn't get paid, and he doesn't pay the people who are writing for him. I, you know, it is a favor to Josh, and also because it was kind of fun. Uh, it was one of the, my favorite things that I wrote in the past year. It was DC United versus Christos FC. It's fun to watch. It got me in the game for free. <laughs> Because I got credentialed, so in a sense I got paid for that. But um, I think the the reason that game was interesting, though, was not because DC United was playing. It was interesting because Greece's FC was playing. So, again, it make a New Year's resolution to just quit tossing out unfounded accusations. Put some thought into it. Do some research. Ask others to do research. Ask Ask questions. It boggles my mind that people are so so upset when questions are asked. And I, I tweeted recently, um, I forget why I, I stumbled back upon the tweet. It was a relatively old tweet. But it was when Alexi Wallace had a question of Eric Winalda. And an actual journalist, someone who, I mean, he's a commentator, but he has done actual journalism too, Juan Arango, likened it to teammates knifing each other in the back. I don't understand that. That, that it's a question. That that's how is that knifing someone in the back? Are we really to that point now? Is that where we stand? I mean, yeah, there are people who try to discredit, you know, the fact checkers who check politicians because they have their own agendas and so forth, but are we to the point now where a journalist can say how dare you ask a question? And it was a legitimate question. Okay, yeah, there are some questions. That you, I mean, it's, um, you know, when did you stop kicking your dog? Or, you know, why did you burn down the local hotel? And, and things like that that are loaded questions. Sure, this was not a loaded question. This was just basic information. So, my resolution, or my suggested resolution, I'll try to live up to it as well, is... Fewer accusations, more questions, because then we'll have more information, and then we'll make better decisions. For now, a better decision for who's the next president of U.S. soccer and who our leaders are. And getting back to youth soccer, the whole point of this podcast and, and this beat that I've, their niche that I've carved out for myself here, is to help parents make better decisions. So... That requires investigations and asking questions and digging up information and and so forth. And so far, there are a lot of people who don't want to answer my questions. I mean, it's not just, I mean, that's the most dramatic example is someone, a journalist comparing the act of asking a question and sticking a knife in someone's back. But I'm asking, you know, state associations and clubs and so forth, hey, can you tell me about the leads in your area? You know, which ones are, you know... What leads are your clubs in? You know, where do you put your A team? Where do you put your B team? Which one is which? Um, how would you explain 
these different leads, and they don't respond. They just don't. So that's the culture we need to change. Ask questions and answer questions. That's my hope for 2018. Thank you for this listening to this abbreviated Ranting Soccer Dad. I will try to get up an interview for next week, and then soon after that is the Philadelphia trip. I'm just going to go talk to people. I'm going to have my phone with me and just interview people on the spot. I mean, I may have a podcast that has, you know, like six mini interviews or something like that coming out of that, or a, a number of podcasts. We'll see how that goes. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but, again... Kathy Carter, Carlos Cordero, Paul Calgary, Hope Solo. Come talk to me. I'm ready to listen. 2018. Let's talk. Hey.